0: Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the NFL Scotland podcast A week full of surprises as we get ever closer to the end of the regular season But there's still plenty of football to be played My name is Cameron Hobbs
1: And my name is Paul Mitchell We had sacks, sackings and stupidity aplenty We'll be sharing our highlights in the last seven days in the NFL
0: As ever we'll be giving out our weekly Scottish slanted awards Hearing who you reckon should be winning each
1: And as ever, we'll round things off with some new items, including yet another fail from Cameron
0: in regard to our pick six section. So we'll start, as we always do, by looking back at last weekend's action, week 13 done and dusted. And I do like to start now with a couple of odd uh, stats that I've picked up along the way. So three for you tonight. Brandon Cooks has had yet another 1,000-yard season. He is the first player in NFL history to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons with three different teams, which I thought was a really interesting statistic. And he's already done it as well, so he's well on track to do a lot better than that. Second one for you, Odell Beckham tossed his second touchdown pass of the year, which is a rare thing to do, and I think he's only the fourth player with multiple games in which he's thrown and caught a touchdown in the same game. Um, Joining Walter Payton, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Danny White as the only four to ever have done it.
1: I've got a great one about Odell Beckham right. Jr as well. I can tell you that Odell Beckham Jr has more 40-yard touchdown passes this season than Eli Manning.
0: <laughs> the quarterback conundrum could be answered to just by putting Beckham into play then. Yeah, it's a great stuff. Um, the final one for you then is on Josh Allen. Obviously, they lost to the Dolphins, but Josh Allen had a pretty decent game. If playing on fantasy football, 28.7 points. You can't complain that. He got 135 yards on the ground. Second best running back. Sorry, second best running total of the day. Not running back, he's a quarterback. But it's the second highest total in a single game by a rookie quarterback since 1999. And he's the first Bills quarterback ever to get more than 100 yards in a single game.
1: That's quite incredible when you think of the quarterbacks they've had and sometimes the way they've had to scramble for their life up in Buffalo. That, that that's, that's pretty good. Okay, I, I will counter with a couple of great stats that you may have seen, but one I love is the Chargers obviously came back to beat the Steelers. It's the first time in 175 games that leading by 15 points or more at home the Steelers have failed to win. They were 174-0-1, so they had tied one game. Back to 1961, I think, is what they were talking about there, which I thought was quite an amazing stat. We we talk when we're in the off-season about the drafts and talent evaluation. Philip Lindsay with 157 yards and two touchdowns this week, undrafted. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Now, Philip Lindsay has averaged 6.08 yards per carry this season, the third highest average in a single season since 1970. Jamal <laughs> Charles and Barry Sanders have averaged more. <laughs> oh, For somebody who's undrafted, what did they not like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to go back in question, but it shows as well. And I think it's fascinating. I love the NFL for all these stats, and I think so many people do. But it just goes to show you as well that you cannot write someone off from their college career, nor can you be guaranteed that just because they were great in college, they're going to be great in the NFL. We've seen as many first-round busts this year as we've seen almost you know, undrafted free agents come in and do absolutely superb. So, you know, Lindsay's done really, really well and good on him. You know, he's an exciting player to watch. He really adds an edge to Denver. And actually, they're just about on the bubble for a potential wildcard slot, which is credit to them because we both wrote them off at the start of the season. We did.
1: And when was the last time a team lost a starting quarterback to a leg break Twice in three games.
0: Absolutely brutal. And the Redskins are just going to plummet now on the back of it. Looking at the Redskins' injuries, I think it's something like they've had 14 offensive players basically end their season with injury. And you only have 11 stars. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's horrific. And there's been a couple of teams, the Eagles on defense. And actually, the Eagles have done really well in spite of those problems. Because they are now very much in contention to go on and potentially challenge to win that division, make it into the postseason, and then anything can happen. Um, Obviously, I'm going to use this as my excuse, but the 49ers have had a nightmare on injuries as well. Lost Matt Breida in the warm-up to the, the Seahawks game. Nick Mullins ended up with the most yards of any quarterback, but came away with a spanking. Um, and to be fair, what an interception pick six by the Seahawks as well. I've got, I've got to give them kudos, you know. They played big, they played hard, and they played well. Um, interesting to see the the stuff with Kyle Shanahan with Russell Wilson throwing away Turner's... Uh, sorry, Warner's shoe. And the bit of Tui Froy, there's been some questions about a lot of the play calls going in the Seahawks' favour at home. And I've never said anything like that or suggested that they get any <laughs> no. kind of home buys. No, nope, nope, and I'm not going to do it tonight, so... Um, Anyway, we'll move on. What else from Week 13 caught your caught your attention?
1: Well, we talk about teams who have done done well. So you look at the Texans 0-3 and now 9-3. That's a heck of a turnaround. They are really uh, motoring, which is very interesting. I think we're going to talk about some of the bad things as well. Mason Crosby's miss, which yeah. ended the Mike McCarthy era. Now we spoke about this on the podcast last week. How long did he have? And really, it was up to Aaron Rodgers to say whether he wanted to save his job or not he obviously didn't
0: well do you buy he's come out and said that he was surprised to hear that McCarthy was sacked does Aaron Rodgers do you buy that?
1: Uh, he was surprised to hear that Mike McCarthy was sacked because he was in the toilet and his wife shouted through to give him the news <laughs> it could only be something like that there's no way he was surprised I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan um, Joe Philipin, you'll just see it out to the end of the season I think he's got caretaker written all over him uh, troubling times the Bengals their lowest crowd in seven years that yep. you know, still forty four, forty five thousand people, but you know that kind of thing just shows that people are giving up on seasons a little bit quicker, and they're not going to watch games that they think that their team is is done in. So I, I found that quite interesting.
0: And of course, uh, we can't skip past that without mentioning poor Scotty, uh, listener to the podcast, Scotty, who went over for the two Bengals games is now. 0-5-1 oh. for watching his Bengals. So, and saw AJ Green go off super early in that game as well. Could, done for the season, I think, with that foot injury. Um, it's just a nightmare scenario. And then, it's so hard. I mean, it happened to the Niners um, to an extent last year where there was some injuries and they kind of went off the boil and then Garoppolo came in and gave a little you know, silver lining, a little bit of hope to carry into the new season. Got injured right away, fine, that's done and dusted. But when things are that bad and you've just got replacements in, you're almost looking at the team going, you know, half these guys aren't even going to be here. What am I actually watching? What's the team really learning from that? Not an awful lot. So it's I can understand why people are maybe starting to switch off and not show up.
1: It just happens sometimes, doesn't it? And, if you know, if you've got to travel to games or games are expensive, just, you know, if you're not a season ticket holder, sometimes you think, yeah, I'll just watch it on the telly and you know do a bit of grilling in the kitchen rather than rather than tailgate. So I thought it was quite an interesting week. I mean, credit to the Cowboys for beating the Saints in really a low-scoring game. We expected an awful lot more. That's allowed um, the Saints to go back to two of their favourite narratives. One is the national media hate them and won't give them any credit. And two, it gives them a little something to complain about amongst themselves. So um, that's interesting. Panthers. I mean, what has gone wrong with the Carolina Panthers? The Buccaneers look like one of the worst five-win teams ever, although we've said on this podcast, there's a little bit of talent there. Yeah. You know, um, when it comes to awards, I think the Giants-Bears will will definitely get a mention. Um, the Bills, I thought, had done enough to win on the road and hadn't done so. Uh, you're talking about, you know, people going to see their, their teams. I mean, there was some pictures of Jags fans from the UK uh, going to see the Jags Colts, you know. Two incredible field goals. Um, six combined points was tied for the lowest in a game since 2007 so you'd have to be pretty unlucky if you were going that way Texans-Browns he just had a bad game did, did yeah. Baker um, against a
0: good defence as yeah. well, and a team that's on form you touched on it there you know they had the after the Browns got the monkey off their back with their losing streak it was the Texans that had the longest losing streak in the NFL well now they've got the longest winning streak You know, and it just that does say everything about their their season. It was slow. Deshaun Watson was coming back from injury, maybe took a wee while to blow out some of those cobwebs, but they've got things going. Adding Demarius Thomas as well adds an extra edge at wide receiver. Lamar Miller's playing really well as well at running back, so that gives Deshaun Watson the option to run about. I noticed some of the commentators were mentioning the fact he's not wearing a brace on his knee. They expect a quarterback coming back from that type of injury to have. Some kind of support on his knee, but no, it's, he's obviously feeling comfortable enough to go with the freedom. Just touching on Lamar Miller there, and it was last week he did a 97-yard touchdown run. The NFL.com website has got a brilliant video at the moment. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the longest run, record run for each franchise, so it shows all 32. Lamar Miller has a 97-yard record for the Texans and he has a 97-yard record for the Dolphins.
1: Wow. So I think
0: he was the only player that appeared on it twice, and it's exactly the same length. And, I mean, he's in, like, the top three or four. Um, I think the the absolute best with the Cowboys was 99 yards. So Lamar Miller's in that sort of unique crowd, but he's not a player that I typically associate with great pace or doing full-length field runs. Lamar Miller's always been that player in my mind that gets the odds sort of, five six yard runs you know maybe get just slightly through the pack but then get brought down pretty quickly so it's fascinating but it's a great video if you've not seen it get onto nfl.com and watch it it's brilliant
1: i'll certainly give that a look he has been a much improved player and the commentators would have ignored this ever since I didn't draft him in fantasy football (laughs) because he let me down so often Um, so he's obviously improved greatly a couple of other things that that caught my eye you mentioned the Seahawks taking apart the 49ers I thought the Vikes battled the Patriots Patriots okay Uh, New England won a two team six wins and no losses at home uh, which is quite interesting Chiefs-Raiders was more of a slugfest than we was expecting. The Raiders, I mean, at least if they're not going to play brilliantly or, or racking up some points here or there, uh, Jets really should have seen the Titans out.
0: Yeah. Uh, thought they were going to. Really interesting to see as well that early in both games, both New York teams with a pick-six. Yeah. And I wonder when the last time both New York teams scored a pick-six in the first quarter was. Um, perfect start for both teams. It was enough for the Giants to use that to go on and win. Um, although it was close, um, but the Jets, yeah, just couldn't get it done.
1: So let's talk about a couple of games specifically and certainly how they ended. I mean, the Giants-Bears game was something else and how efficient did the Bears look with their backup quarterback, great clock management, and I know Giant fans wouldn't have been happy at Odell Beckham's attempt at the onside kick. He looked like somebody who'd never seen an onside kick before to be absolutely fair to him. But, I mean, they held out and they got there in the end, which which is great testament to the Giants because they could have easily just rolled over. I mean, that's just a fourth win of the season for them. But what about the Chargers and the Steelers? How, how to give a game away brilliantly? 39-yard field goal to win it, so you block it. There's Or he misses it, but there's a penalty. Five yards further forward. You then have another penalty, despite blocking it, but that's probably why you blocked it. In the end. Yeah. And then you take it to 29 yards and a boy just chips <laughs> it through to win. How horrible is that? I
0: really was. And horrible scenes all round with some of the nonsense with the fans in the stands as well. Really not particularly nice. Steelers not taking that one well. Um, but yeah, I, I actually thought Philip Rivers played a really good game. They didn't really get it going in that first half at all. But they changed at halftime and they came out. The Saints did that to an extent as well against the Cowboys. The Saints looked much better in the second half, just still not nearly good enough to get the points on the board. Um, but, you know, Keenan Allen has to get a special mention. 14 receptions for 148 yards and a touchdown, and then the two-point conversion yes. as well. He played brilliantly. Um, and there's been games this season where they perhaps haven't leaned on him as much. But with Melvin Gordon out, Eckler didn't really get it going the other boy Jackson did alright as well got into the end zone um, but neither were anywhere near Melvin Gordon so they had to go through the air and they did it efficiently they fought back and I, again it adds some momentum to the Chargers I still think that AFC West wide open Chargers are my pick to come out there. They might not win it, but
1: I really fancy them. But if you then look at everybody who picked up uh, Eckler as a running back and their fantasy team didn't really work for them, and I speak as somebody who tried to do it because I've got Melvin Gordon. <laughs> but I mean, my fantasy team this week I mean, Ingram, Sanders, and Julio Jones. Less than seven points. Yes
0: that's going to lose you an awful lot of games. Drew Brees, seven points, quarterback. Al- Alvin Kamara, terrible. Michael Thomas, all these guys that have been consistently getting you the points. It's a funny old week this week. And there's always a couple of weeks towards this point of the season where the results don't necessarily go the way that you're going to think they're going to go. I mean, who had Jaguars six, Colts nil? Oh, it's incredible. It
1: just... <laughs> I mean, Colts out... nil! Oh, yeah, there, there, there was just no way that... That should have happened. So it was a strange old week. I mean, the Eagles beating the Redskins, but again, the Redskins having to deal with another yeah. um, injury. But Zach Ertz most single-season receptions in Eagles history. And now, you've got to tip your hat to him. That's that's yeah. porridge-like.
0: Yes, totally. Um, and, you know, we joked about Mark Sanchez being back in the game, but Mark Sanchez is back in the NFL. Um, and once again, we've got the, the Colin Kaepernick stuff coming up and, it becomes harder to kind of argue against it he's still not even being brought in and there's guys that have you know
1: go go and look at Kaepernick's numbers yeah. for the last couple of seasons he played they were rubbish they were rubbish that simple as that yeah. they were rubbish he comes with a baggage yeah. that teams don't want I'm not agreeing with it but I fully understand yeah. it because as soon as Kaepernick comes in it's a circus yeah. and teams do not want that they, they simply don't um do and I it's the same saw? reason that Kareem Hunt
0: wasn't picked up in waivers. Yeah. You know, um, Foster was picked up by the Redskins and they got flagged for it because he's obviously been arrested for a domestic violence thing. Now it's innocent until proven guilty, but that's three against him now and the Niners had had enough and cut him right away. Um, the Redskins picked him up. It'll be interesting to see if he features for them much Um But Kareem Hunt obviously is bad enough that there is a media circus around it and you can see teams just avoiding it, absolutely. Uh, I was pleased to see Eric Reed get picked up and he's doing quite well with the Panthers, you know, and that's worked out well for him, which is brilliant. Um, But until somebody at least brings Kaepernick in for a workout, I think this is something that's not going to go away. It's going to be the conversation piece. And it's almost like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because there's media hype around every quarterback that gets picked up that isn't Colin Kaepernick. At the end of the day, it's almost his own worst enemy. To your point, if that's what's putting the teams off, well, it's never going to go away no. because it's going to keep coming up every single time. But so let's, let's it's not just pin in ourselves in,
1: in the fact that he is not a very good quarterback. No, back.
0: no, and he had he got the diners to the Super Bowl that one season. He was good. He was different. He came in and they added something. He was running around at the point with the read option was very hot. The read option isn't as hot. You can see Cam Newton still uses it from time to time, but Cam was way more accurate and a better, stronger quarterback than Kaepernick ever was. And absolutely. But you see that as well with Cam Newton. When the aerial game breaks down, they don't get it going on the ground, they lose games. Four interceptions against the Buccaneers is what cost the Panthers this weekend. So that type of quarterback is a risk. You saw RG3 come in and play for the Ravens. He did a job. But as soon as Jackson was fit again, Jackson was back in, because they know the future is not... RG3. So I get it. I totally see both sides to this one as well. It's just one of these things that's always going to be the chatting, the talking heads point and it almost is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's kind of like, oh, just you want something to give on either side, so it just goes away. Let's stop talking about the same point over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, do I want to see him back in the league playing? Yes, because he's better than some of the quarterbacks that are there. Let's, let's make and, no mistake yes, about that. Totally. But there's a couple of other things. One, yes, he comes with baggage. Two, how quickly does he pick up a playbook? Yeah. That's another thing that yeah. we don't necessarily take into account. I mean, yeah. Mark Sanchez has been there, seen it, done it. He's played across various teams. He'll be able probably to assimilate into an offence an awful lot quicker than Kaepernick will. I he mean, only
0: ever played for the Niners. Well, yeah. played
1: for one team. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot more to it yeah. than, than is on the surface. Eric Reid plays a different position, can come in yeah. and do different things. So... You know, there's different aspects. I think it's very different what they did to the domestic violence thing, to any DUI, to anything. that um, Coombs had a good piece in the Times this week. It, the morality of the NFL is like any other league. Is the player going to help them win without too much distraction? That's usually the answer. So if you take Greg Hardy, you know, Panthers dropped him but got an 11 million deal. Well, the Cowboys, Richie Incognito, there was bullying allegations against him. Now, he got that second chance and Buffalo seemed to turn things around. Whether you believe that or not is another matter. So there's certain things where you want a second chance and there's other things that are just horrible. But one of the points is, these, these players, for all of these offences, are being tried and convicted by the NFL rather than in the courts. And that's where it becomes very difficult. Yeah. And you saw that with Ezekiel Elliott last year, which we talked about. You know, he kept putting things off because he kept appealing, um, you know, his suspension. If Kareem Hunt had have stayed with the Chiefs, that's what they would have done, or they could have done. And I'm glad they didn't, because the, the video yeah. is horrendous. Um, therefore, he, w- he was quite rightly dealt with. If and when he gets a second chance, because America is the yeah. land of second chances, who knows... Um, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, Jameis Winston has still never been convicted, as far as I'm aware, of the problem with the Uber driver. No, I've
0: settled out of court.
1: Therefore, you know, so this morality thing is exceptionally difficult, and not all owners apply the same uh, ethos. You know, you had Jerry Richardson at the Panthers who basically said, Greg Hardy has got nothing to do with us, that's not the type of player we want. And, of course, he eventually gets... You know, hustled out of uh, out of there. So it's a very, very difficult, difficult area. But one of the things I wanted to come back to: we talked about you know players not being drafted. Um, you you look at all these hard knocks, and you see these players on the practice squads and things. It is really important that if you're out the game, that you keep yourself fit, you keep yourself active, because coming November, December, there's every chance there's a job for you.
0: In pretty much every position as well. Yeah. You even look in Buffalo, where they've just released Kelvin Benjamin. And now there's an opportunity there, if you're a wide receiver, saying, oh, I'm available. You need someone to come in and just prove themselves. Clearly, Kelvin Benjamin isn't. And some of the stories coming out about him are massively negative. Now, actually, I rated Kelvin Benjamin. I thought he was a great player. And whether he's his head's down, or whether he's lost the love, or whether he's just lazy possibly getting out of Buffalo and going somewhere where someone can put a bit of a rocket underneath him might give him that second chance. Um, but you see players like that, like Trent Richardson, is always the one that's famous, you know, went really high in the draft, bounced around, never really did anything, and now he's going to play in the Alliance of America League next year. So, you know, he's found somewhere to play football. If he stinks at that level as well, then I don't know where he goes after that, the XFL in 2020. Um, but, you know, it's it's fascinating to see some of these players who start so well but then just fall off a cliff some of them bounce back and recover, some of them don't. It's do or die, really, in the NFL, and you can see that. You never know what's going to happen. You have to behave yourself 365 days of the year. You don't know who's watching. You don't know who's filming. Your attitude, if if it's wrong, you're not going to last because you know what? There's a whole lot of hungry guys just waiting for the chance. And while the NFL is the only major league right now, everyone wants in there. So, you know, I'll be interested to see if anybody goes and picks him up. But like you say you're a player that's maybe not got a team this year, you keep yourself fit, there's an opportunity for you there in Buffalo. So, yes, interesting indeed. Right, time for our awards then. And I think, you know, we'll start again by going through Twitter and some of the comments that we've had, because I think these are fascinating and great talking points. So we'll start, first of all, with Kieran White. He says that Aaron Donald injects porridge straight into his veins.
1: That's hard to disagree with, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> if it came to an overall porridge for the season, he'd certainly be be up there. He is a monster. He continues to be a monster in the best possible way um, and just makes all the difference.
0: Um, now, there's a Russian name. So, it's Connor Morris has been in touch. He's got an unusual username. I hate when people put that, they've got a normal... Twitter handle, and then they put something and I don't know how to pronounce these things. Anyway, he says the most Scottish-like performance has to be the Chicago Bears, doing so much against the Giants to take it to overtime, only to lose anyway. Classic Scotland. It's a fair point.
1: It is a fair point, or you could actually say that the Giants were Scottish-like for putting their fans through the ringer, what should have been an easy <laughs> game to win because they played well and got themselves into that position. Uh, they throw it away, they muff the onside kick. Uh, and then somehow find a way to win it in overtime. Equally Scottish.
0: Now, an apology that I'm due is to long-term listener and contributor Lorne Callahan, who I've been mispronouncing his name for weeks, so Lorne, I apologise, but he's been in touch with a couple. He says Scottish as well. Bears losing to the Giants, a game they really should have won. Um, Porridge Award goes to the Dallas Cowboys defensive unit. Held the Saints to a 16-year low in yardage. Brackets... Not that I'm sticking my oar in, as he says. I think we accused him of sticking his oar in previously. <laughs> in his, uh, you,
1: you know me, I, I like things that people haven't done in a long time. And as much as it was going to pain me, that was going to be my nomination um, for Polish I just thought, you know, that's that's pretty exceptional. The Saints have got many beasts yeah. in that team. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that.
0: Paul's been in touch to say Scottish-like performance as the Steelers. The disappointment must be so real. Steve says, that Scottish performance has to be the Packers playing at home in the snow against a dome team from the desert. Only two wins. Teams running riot over them, basically your San Marinos. Stick on with Rodgers. Gets beat due to a missed field goal. That's got Scotland written all over it.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take that. that, That's a definite, definite win. Put it like that, lose to a team from a dome in a desert. Um, That's a winner.
0: Scottish Performance says Kaylee goes to the Colts, lost 6-0 to a backup quarterback and turned down six points that were already on the board in the first quarter.
1: That's an interesting one. I mean, the Colts... The Colts, actually, I think I would probably move to honking because I thought, yeah, they, they made a few bad decisions. In fact, the game as a whole was, was pretty honking, to be fair.
0: The LA Rams UK account has said the most Scottish-like performance is the Steelers, to be ahead and then give it all up. Honking Award goes to the Packers and Porridge Award... Ellie Rams. Who are they going to say? Aaron Donald, of course. So, um, and Ice the Kicker NFL podcast just got in touch with us to say that they think the name of the awards are brilliant.
1: Oh, we appreciate that. So, thank, yes, you. thank you. We
0: like that. <laughs> Finally, David Ross, he says, Porridge has to go to Lindsay, Philip Lindsay of the Denver Broncos for his performance, which we touched on before. So very good shout as well. Anything that you want to add to that? Any of those three?
1: No, I mean, the, the honking award to say, I think there's been some bad games uh, in the last little while. Uh, the honking award I would also like to give to the ESPN Monday Night Football team. <laughs> Again. Again. Because we touched on it just a little bit last week. They have been voted the worst crew in the awful announcing uh, rankings. They got the worst possible ratings from so many people, uh, basically, that it's going to be untenable. I'm not sure that bosses take much out of these. and I know that, you know, you like certain announcers and you dislike others, but there is no universal love uh, coming for th- that Monday night team. So they're in a fair bit of trouble.
0: We expect some changes to come there. Yeah, I think most Scottish-like performance for me, yeah, the Bears or the Steelers, I think, to to, in the case of the Bears, to fight back. That catch by Alan Robinson, incidentally, was brilliant, just to catch it off the head of the Just use, it.
1: use somebody just, else's helmet, that's yeah. fine that's what's there for.
0: Jarvis Landry came back a little bit, he made a brilliant one-handed catch pulling as well, thought that was brilliant um, so Scottish-like performance for the Bears because I really thought they were going to go on and win that game when they pulled it back right at the end, I never thought they were going to even do that, they did it and then just give up that field goal and can't do anything on offence when they get the ball um, but then obviously yeah, we touched on the fact that the Steelers were ahead and then gave up to the Chargers and really just petered out towards the end Honkin, I'm the Niners have to be in that conversation. 43-16 is just stinking. The Packers definitely in that conversation as well. And the Colts, to an extent, just really poor. Just didn't get it going at all. Um, that Jags defence hasn't been performing, but they showed up. Um, they showed up well. you know. And, and the Jaguars, without uh, Borto's obviously bringing in Kessler, but no Fournette either. So you know he's been big since he's come back for them, but they managed to grind out that win that I don't think anybody saw coming. Porridge Award for me, though, goes to Kelsey. I think he had an absolutely exceptional day. Um, and, you know, he's had a season-high 38.8 fantasy points for him. Uh, he's only been uh, bettered by Zacherts back in week 10 from a fantasy point of view you know, 12 receptions, 168 yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey's got back-to-back games with 10 or more receptions for 100 or more yards, and he has 182 receiving yards in 2018. So he joins Greg Olsen as the only tight ends in NFL history to have three consecutive seasons with at least 1,000 receiving yards. He's the only tight end with 800 or more yards in each of his last five seasons.
1: Highly impressive. And, of course, we have to mention Greg Olsen's done for the season as well, so that's not going to help... The Panthers there. Everybody expected a wild card to come from uh you know whoever was going to be second to the Saints when we thought a few weeks ago, but it could be none. That's the that's the thing, it could be none now. So that takes us nicely into week fourteen. Week fourteen already in the NFL playoffs in sight, and for some teams, well, winning isn't a great idea because all you're going to do is put yourself further down the draft board. For others, they're right on the cusp. And for one or two, you start to get close to this might be the last game of the regular season you see all the starters in full. So let's have a quick chat. Jaguars at the Titans. This was chosen as a Thursday night game. Would have been pretty interesting, but uh, the Jags are 4-8 and, and the Titans are 6-6. Six and six, So it's not going to be the most overly exciting game in the world, but the Titans have got a chance. Uh, Giants, Redskins, with the Redskins with their injury problems. They might win the game, but I'm not convinced they're gonna do much more. The Saints at the Bucks has a little bit of side interest to see because the Bucks are in this awful position that if they finish even eight and eight, do you sack Dirk Carter? You've not answered your quarterback issues, so that that's one that perhaps some Bucks fans might even hope that they lose. The Patriots always seem to struggle at the Dolphins. Uh, Tom Brady seven and nine on the road against the Dolphins. It's just kind of a place he seems to, to struggle in. Then we get to the first of what I think is a really good games. Uh, Ravens at Chiefs seven and five at ten and two. The Chiefs the number one scoring offense. The Ravens number one defense. That's a goodie.
0: Yeah. And. Actually, when I was watching the Ravens last weekend against the Falcons, the Ravens play so many guys up on the line of the scrimmage that the offense don't get the time to, to do much. Um, they've got to act fast. And the one thing that Mahomes has been doing a lot of this year is extending the play by running around a little bit. Now, if he's got a bunch of Ravens hunting him down, it'll be interesting to see what he does under that kind of pressure because I'm not sure he's really had that level of pressure yet. The one that you could argue where he did have was against the Rams, and he still did pretty decent yeah. in that game. So, will be a fascinating one of offense versus defense. But also, the Chiefs' defense is terrible. It's really horrible. Um, the Ravens are running around. Obviously, Jackson's come in. He is using his legs, and they're actually doing all right under him. I'm, I'm surprised. He's maybe doing a bit better than I thought he would. Um but, yeah, I think it's a fascinating game. I think that, you know, if the, the Chiefs need to keep winning. If they're going to win the division, they cannot give up anything and let the Chargers catch them up, you know. Um, the two of them still have to play each other. The Chargers are up against the Bengals, depleted Bengals. Yeah. There is an outside chance Melvin Gordon comes back this week. It's probably unlikely, but he is week to week. Um, therefore, you know, you've got to fancy the Chargers to win that game. That would keep the pressure on the Chiefs, regardless if they do so. So it's fascinating. It definitely is fascinating.
1: That's the six o'clock game on Sky Sports, and that that's one of these games that would make me think about not watching Red Zone because it's just on the cusp of being interesting enough. Colts Texans, you would have to fancy the Texans to make it ten in a row. Falcons Packers, which you know it's been a prime time game in recent times. Uh, Packers with the new coach Joe Philbin in charge that brings a little bit of interest to that panthers browns again you know two teams panthers they would need to win out and they still face the saints twice yeah so i i just kind of think they're done jets bills is a bit of a mm, type of game as is broncos 49ers from the point of view you expect the broncos to win yeah. on the road in san francisco which would be great from their point of view you've touched on the bengals chargers bengal's four game losing streak longest in 6 years
0: what the Which is surprising. And they started the season way better than I thought they were going to. Um, But I talked before that they struggle to keep people fit. AJ Green has always had problems. Um, And it's injuries that have done them. And it's injuries on the offence. You know, the defence has largely stayed mostly fit. But they're big injuries on the offence. You've got Tyler Bord, you've got Joe Mixon. Rodrisco's looked okay. But, I mean, they really were decimated at the weekend there again. So, yeah, I mean... I. The Broncos Niners is interesting just purely because the Broncos are expected to win that one, um, and obviously keep the pressure for that second wild card slot. You know, at the moment you're looking at, it's definitely going to be the one of the Chiefs or the Chargers, I think. And then actually, if you look at it, if you're going to consider the Broncos on the bubble, then you've got to consider the Colts and the Texans. The Ravens obviously at seven and five, but the Dolphins at six and six as well. If the Dolphins can manage to get a win over the Patriots. Um, they go 7-6. and six, The Patriots go 9-4. and four. Um, The Dolphins are suddenly in that as well. And The, the AFC is really quite interesting when it comes to that. I think that the NFC is a much clearer picture um, or certainly feels more predictable in where we think it's going to go. That AFC is really all to play for. And with so many divisional games coming up this weekend, things like you know, the the Texans-Colts, if the Colts can manage to get a win, puts the pressure on. Um, the Titans get a win, they're up to 7-6, and six, maybe announce the chance that they can make the playoffs. So there's still quite a lot to play for on that side of it. So- Absolutely.
1: I mean, if you look at it, the Steelers are now going in. They're, they're on a two-game losing streak. They've got to go into Oakland to try and avoid skidding three in a row. Then we've got the Lions-Cardinals, which is, again not particularly yeah, yeah. great but then then it's the games that i think you know we we want to talk about it's brilliant news for fans of the nfc east you're actually going to see them live on television now, <laughs> when when was the last time that happened couldn't tell you yeah but yeah if anybody knows please get in touch with us the eagles cowboys now to be fair it's a battle for the first place in the NFC East. Six six 6-6 Eagles, okay, that's the Redskins record as well. 7-5 uh, and five Cowboys. There's a lot to the game. I know we always see an awful lot of the, the NFC East, but I mean, that, that that's potentially a really good game. As is the Sunday night game, the Rams at the Bears. Bears with Trubitsky would have been a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but the Rams, you know, on the road, Soldier Field, December, could be pretty cold. It's all the things that you actually want to see in a game.
0: Yeah, definitely. and it's For me, I think that the Bears, when they get Trubisky back, because even under um, Chase Daniel, they looked decent against the Giants. And actually, he did a lot better as well than I thought he would. But Trubisky really did get them singing on offense. And they have a monster defense. There's no two ways about that. Um, with Trubisky, the benefits come that he's able to keep the offense out on the field longer, allowing that defense to rest, meaning that they're going to be more... Uh, explosive. Uh, Khalil Mack is going to hunt people down. Aaron Donald is going to do the exact same thing. So it's a fascinating game because as well there is an outside chance that if anything weird happens with the Saints the Rams and the Bears it could be a playoff game but it could end up outside chance being a championship game as well this is the chance for the Bears to prove that they are legit because they're coming up against one of the top teams the one thing with the Rams is they've already secured NF West, So they've already made the playoffs But they'll want that home field advantage So I don't believe for a second they're going to take the foot off the gas Especially with the Saints just that one game behind There is no way they can afford to take their foot off the gas So I expect to see a top four Rams Up against an on-form Bears Fine, one in the losing streak column But they're going to bounce back Certainly at home
1: Monday Night Football will have the Vikings at the Seahawks again Lots to play for for both teams Kirk Cousins, number one on Monday night, lost six games. So um, interesting to see if he can bounce on that.
0: These two teams coming up against each other as well, it's got a real playoff feel to it. You know, you go back to the game that the Vikings went into Seattle and Blair Walsh had an absolute stinker. Um and they're basically playing for postseason action here as well you know seven and five Seahawks and I still have to say they're they're going to the playoffs so they've still to play the 49ers again I think they've still to play the Cardinals again you know they're going to the postseason the Vikings though if they are going to get in there need to win this because the Panthers at six and six still could do it but actually that NFC East is an interesting division because if the Cowboys go on and win now the Cowboys are on a four game winning streak if they do beat the Eagles the Eagles are six and seven which is one game behind the Eagles still have to play the Redskins again. And I've actually got a fairly reasonable run in towards the end of the season. So, if those two teams in NFC East keep winning, you could see a team like the Vikings fall away from that quite easily if they don't keep up momentum themselves. So, it's tight. They, uh, there's not as many teams in the mix. I think that there's some real stinkers in there. You know, we can definitely write off the Packers now. The Lions are gone. The Bucks and the Falcons don't have any chance. The Redskins and the Giants, nope. You know, we know the Cardinals and the Niners aren't. So, you know, you're talking about eight. It's going to be six from eight teams are going to progress there. Um, And we know that the Rams are already in. We know the Saints are likely to win their division. Um, The Bears, I think, will go on. The NFC East is the one that's pretty tight. So, you know, a couple of teams vying for that wild card slot. Um, It's a really interesting running. It really is an interesting running. And it doesn't feel like there's any division this year where it's just all stinkers. And we've had that in the past where you feel like none of these teams are really going to do anything. But the Cowboys showed that they could match the, the Saints, which surprised me. It surprised a lot of people, I think. You know, the, the Cowboys fans will tell you otherwise, but I don't believe them for a second. There's no way they expected that performance. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it really there's a,
1: is. there's a lot of good stuff coming up in Week 14. There, there's no doubt about that. Let's have a look at some of the news that's kicking around uh, the NFL. Interesting. So the Packers' job is up for grabs. Bruce Arians... Was definitely a possible. Now he's come out and said that he fancies the Cleveland job. He's also come out and said he doesn't fancy the Green Bay Packers job. Now that's quite interesting because the chance to work with Aaron Rodgers, you would think, is attractive to any coach. But has he had a look round camera and thought the talent's not there?
0: Quite possibly. Um, and I'd, it's an interesting one with Aaron Rodgers. There's so much chat uh, around him, and there's so much conspiracy theory about the power that he has in that sort of, you know, the whole franchise. Um, you know, we alluded to this earlier. I think that, you know, you highly respect Rogers as do I. I think he's one of the best. He hasn't had a lot of talent around him, and I think he's, out of his career, he's made semi-decent players look better than they are. You know, you even see someone like Jordy Nelson, who was just a mainstay for Aaron Rodgers. You know, he goes to the Raiders, and he's not anything like. And Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. No. I find the Raiders aren't particularly brilliant, but Derek Carr's not honking Jordy Nelson's had a couple of decent plays, one or two decent games, but not that regular output you were seeing from him in Green Bay. Randall Cobb's another one. Randall Cobb's on a massive contract and he's going to be a free agent this year. I'm not sure anyone will be desperate to chuck money at Randall Cobb. I think that he's the sort of player that Aaron Rodgers is able to make look good. And I think the one other player that you draw that line to is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady has made a career out of making semi-decent wide receivers look exceptional is able to do it because he's able to find the space that allows the player to make the catches that look really good. Um, so, yeah, there isn't a of talent. I think that, you know, there's gaps at running back, there's gaps in defence, there is there is definitely problems there. But I wonder even how much of the, the stories of Aaron Rodgers and the, the clout that he has maybe puts people off as well. A head coach that wants to be the boss maybe feels like they're going to have a better chance of doing that at Cleveland with that young up-and-coming talent than they would do in Green Bay. Also, Wisconsin's a lot colder.
1: Well, there is that. Bruce Arians perhaps went somewhere warmer, <laughs> but I actually thought he might be interested in the Tampa Bay Bucks job just because of the heat, but <laughs> you never know. What, one name that is going to be mentioned is Josh McDaniels, but given his previous, yes, I'll take the Colts, no, I won't take the Colts, I'll stay in New England routine, I'd be wary. I mean, he's a great coach no doubt about that but I'd certainly be wary of going down the Josh McDaniels route
0: and if well I I agree if my last point is correct and I was a pun I'm not saying that I am for a second if it's about the character of Aaron Rodgers the one coach you feel could deal with someone with that level of clout would be Josh McDaniels he's worked with Tom Brady for a long time now Bill Belichick's a big character but we're not going to kid ourselves for a second Tom Brady has a much bigger say than your average quarterback does um, Aaron Rodgers clearly does as well so maybe McDaniels is the sort of person who can come in and maybe even use the clout of his quarterback for a couple of years that he's got left in him to, to kind of set himself in as the head coach, allow Aaron to do a bit of the play calling and then as Aaron retires then Josh can take over from there the one other interesting thing though with that is I've seen people talk about potentially trading Rodgers, do the Packers trade him away, do they cut clean and just start and rebuild again
1: that's a brilliant a really interesting one because there's many teams and they get some some kind of haul for them I'll, I'll go in a different direction. How about this? How about Josh McDaniels lands a head coach job mm. of the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick goes to Green Bay to say, you think I can win under Brady? I'll show you what I can do with Rodgers.
0: Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't do you know what? I'd fun? actually, I'd quite enjoy that. I think that would be fascinating, and you'd, you'd really hope that Brady would give it one more year. And imagine a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl under that. That would. That's that's Hollywood stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking fantasy football
1: now, but wouldn't that be really good? I think that'd be a very, very interesting one if Belichick thought, you know what, I could do something with that, or. The other one, because we're talking about theory, wouldn't it be great, Belichick going to the Browns and saying You shunned me once, I am now here, I'm experienced, I will take all this talent and I will deliver you with the Super Bowl and then I'll wander off the stage.
0: Cleveland, you've lost LeBron, but here's Belichick. Yeah. So he's coming back home. Yeah, yeah, that would that would be fascinating. And do you know what there's gonna be other jobs up for grabs as well. But there is. Let's if we're not kidding ourselves the Jets job is going to be available come the end of the season. And it's another one of those franchises that you feel like, oh come on, someone's got to do something. Sam so Darnold, the young, exciting quarterback. It's it's that time of year where head coaches go, coordinators go, and you, it'll be interesting to see what's actually available come the Super Bowl. Now, one thing that we need to address. Um, Last week I forgot to um, do the pick six section.
1: Now is that because that you're currently running in third place in a competition with three people in it?
0: So do you know what? And I've been thinking about this since I realised my error. Um, what I've done is I've, I've unintentionally given ourselves a bye week. Oh. I think that all of us get fatigued during the season. Everybody needs a break. There's only so many. Well, I'm think, oh and thirteen for the weeks by the weeks. I think so. I, I deserve a bye week.
1: I'll give you a bye week because you know what's coming up in about three weeks' time?
0: What's that?
1: It's your bye-bye week. But <laughs> I clinch the title.
0: Yeah, I so, don't think it'll be a couple of weeks. It might be next week, to be perfectly honest. So I'll give oh, you a bye week this week. Oh, absolutely horrible. <laughs> so a Honkin Award, uh, I think I have to put myself in for it this week because that was just terrible. I couldn't believe it. I've been on top of that all the time. And, you know, I just, this is, I've clearly lost love with the, with the whole thing, you know, I'm just, eh. anyway, we'll be back on it this week, let me assure you of that. But that concludes everything for this episode number 30. We hope you've enjoyed listening and again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to everybody who took
1: part in the Sunday t-shirt giveaway. Our numbers continue to grow. We'll be doing more giveaways very soon indeed. But please keep sharing this podcast with all your NFL friends. Continue to let us know what you think.
0: And keep giving us your nominations for our regular weekly awards. We've loved reading your suggestions for some of the other Scottish Lanted awards. Keep them coming too.
1: We'll be back again next week as we pick apart all the Week 14 action, discuss all the headlines and probably write off another number of teams for their season will be done. Ours will continue, we will be back, but until then, bye for now.